This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Richard Duggan in the studio with you this afternoon. As you may have heard earlier, earlier uh, Linda Swain hosted Open Line this morning. So uh, to give her a little bit of a break, I am in the chair this afternoon with you. Claudette Barnes is producing the show. Hi, Claudette. Hi. My God. You know, I love how right now, if you look outside, it's blue skies. And, like, it's giving me a little bit of hope, right, weather-wise? Weather yeah, so nice. I notice a smile start to curl up on my face when I looked over my shoulder and noticed that too because um, a few hours ago I noticed it was just overcast and then I looked recently and I'm like, oh, that's nice. You, you don't realize how much your wet, the weather actually affects your mood until oh. you have a day like this where it's like wall-to-wall sunshine, at least here in Metro, and then the, you can just feel your spirits start to lift, right? You can, despite the fact that it's known as Blue Monday, which is, is a farce. Um, this, today is known as that because of, a, I think it was like a travel company came up with the idea, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't feel great today go somewhere south but uh no yeah i i've noticed that too in our conversations too at home my husband noticed did you notice that it's not getting dark so soon anymore and i'm mm-hmm. like yes yes i have yeah oh my god it makes all the difference in the world and even last week and i'm sure it'll be a little bit better this week like right. i'll leave here at five o'clock and i'll go uh over the team guju highway uh to get home and like even just like you could see the sun still setting oh. off in the distance and even just that little bit is like okay <laughs> there's hope <laughs> it's just i'm not leaving work in total darkness yes. anymore <laughs> <laughs> so it is getting better and while the weather is nice out today it's not gonna be so nice um over the next couple of days there's some special weather statements that are out for both newfoundland and labrador this week uh vocm's linda swain now speaks with meteorologist david neal with the environment Canada weather center in gander to find out what's coming well good afternoon david Good day. How you doing? Great. So a couple of weather statements on the go. More freezing rain. Is it just me or has this been a bad year so far for freezing rain? Uh, certainly seen a, a good uh, a good share of it over the first, certainly the last month or so. A few a few systems that have uh, brought up brought up some of that milder air. So getting a kind of that me- messy mix of precipitation uh, uh, with a couple of these storms. So uh, uh, certainly not as uh, not as fun for those uh, who want to get the uh, get some more wintry activities on the go. Obviously, you want to try to see a little bit more snow and maybe not so much that much other messy stuff. Um, but yeah, it looks like uh, possible. Looks like another system that's going to uh, kind of cause that over the next few days. So, what can we expect? Uh, I understand the island is in for something, and Labrador is in for something else. Yes. Uh, so we'll start with uh, with Newfoundland. So basically, we have a special weather statement all the way uh, for the entire island uh, with this uh, upcoming storm. What we can uh, what we can expect with this is uh, really precipitation over, really across the island is going to start off as snow. 
Um, looking most areas uh, sometime uh, through the night, Tuesday night, uh, although some areas, uh, particularly on the northern peninsula, might be more into uh, into Wednesday morning. But uh, by Wednesday morning, pretty much uh, the uh, the whole island will have seen uh, some uh, some snowfall. But then on the heels of that, uh, we expect precipitation to uh, mix uh, to to uh, switch through to a mix of ice pellets and freezing rain, uh, and then eventually to rain over most areas. Not not quite the entire Entire island uh, can expect that, but uh, a good, um, a high, per, a large percentage of the island can uh, can expect that through the day uh, on on Wednesday. Really, just looks like more kind of the northern peninsula and parts of uh, uh, some more higher terrain areas in western Newfoundland may not uh, may only see a switch through to uh, to ice pelts, freezing rain, and then back to flurries. Uh, but generally, most of the island looking at uh, seeing a little bit of everything uh, with this system coming up. Along with that, expecting some uh, winds to pick up out of the southeast. Uh, so areas along the west coast, especially Wreck House and, and a couple other areas, are likely to see some stronger wind gusts picking up through the uh, late night, uh, uh, Tuesday night into uh, into Wednesday. Uh, so kind of a, a messy day uh, for the island for the most part uh, as we get uh, through much of the day on, on Wednesday. Now, as we move along, uh, Labrador, uh, this is another special weather statement out for, uh, for most of Labrador, with the exception of uh, western areas, uh, which we'll, we'll see they'll see some uh, some precipitation and uh, uh, with uh, with this system but uh, expecting to sit really mostly sit out the worst of it uh but the rest of labrador again can expect a, really just a snow event uh doesn't look to be much uh, really any phase change uh anywhere uh, in in labrador so pretty well a straight snow event uh and that uh that snow moves across uh, develops in, in uh, across a lot of Labrador by uh, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, but then gradually moving through uh, uh, elsewhere, uh, northward through the afternoon, eventually reaching uh, northernmost uh, regions by by Wednesday evening. Uh, can expect some pretty significant snowfall over some areas, uh, looking at amounts that could be uh, in kind of 10 to 15 centimeter range for some areas, uh, but then other air, uh, parts uh, of the coast could see amounts. Uh, 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 possibly upwards of 30 centimeters or maybe more, uh, and that's expected to come over over the course of a few days. Um, some areas are going to stay in snow for uh, likely right into uh, into Friday. So, a bit of a long duration event uh, for Labrador. Kind of getting back to Newfoundland again. I know I'm kind of going a little bit back and forth here. So Newfoundland, we see a mix of precipitation go through, mainly through the day Wednesday, really kind of tapering off most, uh, pretty well everywhere by Wednesday evening. But on the back side of this, uh, we do expect uh, some uh, uh, winds out of the west to uh, to really pick up in strength uh, through Wednesday night into Thursday. And with that, uh, looking at the potential for uh, some persistent flurries and snow squalls to pick up along the west coast, likely moving uh, across a lot of the south coast of the island as well, and even possibly clipping parts of the Avalon Peninsula uh, as we go through the day on Thursday. Um, some of those winds uh, across uh, Newfoundland and along the, across the Labrador coast uh, could see some pretty strong winds with this system. Uh, a lot of coastal areas could see uh, could see gusts uh, uh, upwards of 100 kilometers an hour or more, uh, mainly uh, mainly on Thursday, but possibly lingering into Thursday night and early Friday as well. So it's a it's a storm that's going to kind of hang around for uh, for a few days in in some way or another.
We mentioned off the top that we've seen a fair bit of freezing rain so far this uh, season, especially on the island portion of the province. Uh, but it's been a windy one, too, like you just said. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you know, it's uh, as we get through winter, we do see these uh, these uh, these storms uh, that move up through and can uh, can intensify quite quickly uh, as they move up uh, either towards us or in, in this particular case, uh, the storm. Uh, this storm looks to uh, track kind of in the vicinity of the Strait of Belle Isle. It's deepening the whole way, uh, but then it really starts to deepen as it gets out uh, off uh, off the Labrador coast. And uh, when you get that uh, type of setup, you get those strong, mainly westerly winds across the island northwesterly across the uh, across the labrador coast and uh, yeah that's where you really get some of these really quite strong uh, strong winds and of course combine that with uh, with the snow with uh, some of those flurries and squalls especially in western newfoundland and as i mentioned parts of the south and east uh could you're going to see some uh, some quite poor uh, visibilities and some uh, some bad driving conditions over over the course of the uh, of the of those few days when will we see relief uh, well, it looks like um, in, uh, as we uh, kind of get more into Friday, still expecting winds to be quite strong through much of the day of Friday and uh, and snow to kind of linger around. A lot of the areas I mentioned, so really uh, portions of Labrador uh, and then western and southern Newfoundland, um, really through a good part of the day on Friday. But then things really gradu- uh, will gradually improve uh, later Friday and into Friday night. Um, right on the heels of that, there's another uh, another system that looks to be making its way uh, towards towards eastern Newfoundland later on Saturday. Jury's still out a little bit on that one as to uh, what to expect there, but it does look like another uh, period of uh, of snow for uh, for parts of eastern Newfoundland, looking mainly Buren, Avalon Peninsula, and then and then other areas along the east coast, um, mainly late day Saturday and a Saturday night. But that's uh, that's a storm that uh, um, doesn't look too too impactful right now but uh, we're going to keep our eye on it as this one uh, uh, after this one uh, moves out and we're kind of done with uh, with this uh, this next uh, this upcoming storm now the story in the prairies over the last uh, few days of course has been the polar vortex any chance of that you know shifting its way eastward um, well, looking at the next uh, next few days, expecting with with that uh, system coming up for Newfoundland, of course, bringing up some more uh, mixed precipitation and rain. Uh, so next couple of days, expecting temperatures to be kind of uh, uh, more above normal uh, than, uh, than than below. Um, as the system passes, with those strong westerlies and cold westerlies in the wake of the system, expect some colder temperatures there. In terms of uh, in terms of that type of uh, setup, uh, there are some some hints uh, indications from some of our longer range models that we could see some uh, some colder than normal temperatures moving in uh, possibly early to mid of uh, middle of next week uh, but again uh, that's uh, getting far out into the extended range so something that we're going to keep an eye on in terms of uh, whether we'll see some of those colder uh, some of those colder temperatures make their way east uh, but certainly right now uh, the big uh, the, the focus is uh, uh, kind of getting through this next uh, this next uh, significant event that uh, it's coming up in uh, for for the middle and later part of this week. David Neal, really appreciate it. This, thank you very much. Not a problem. Thanks for having me.
And there you have it. That's VOCM's Linda Swain speaking with meteorologist David Neal about some messy weather that's on the way for a little bit later on in the week. And, of course, you can stay tuned uh, to VOCM uh, throughout the next couple of days. We'll have all the information on what to expect, where to expect it, and how much you're going to get. And we'll have all that uh, for you over the next couple of days. All right. We are going to take a break here now on News Talk. And when we come back, the PC party has withdrawn from the province's committee on electoral reform. We'll speak with Barry Patton coming up after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. Well, the PC party has withdrawn from the province's committee on electoral reform, citing a lack of commitment to the cause. Now, this was originally touted as being an all-party committee, but uh, the NDP had never participated. Uh, Back in 2021, um, the NDP uh, said that they weren't going to sit on the committee. This is just after it was first formed uh, with Jim Din, uh, leader Jim Din at the time. I'm referring to it as nothing more than window dressing. And uh, the reason why they decided that they weren't going to sit on it was because of uh, comp- the composition of the committee. And they had made some requests uh, for changes to the composition. And, of course, uh, those uh, uh, government did not uh, go ahead with those. Now, the PCs have dropped out of this committee as well. Uh, MHA Barry Petten and I had a conversation a short while ago. This started three years ago. It was almost to the date, the minute the premier called an election in uh, 2021. So three years ago, or a little less than three years ago, when we seen what happened, with the, it was one of the most catastrophic elections in, in our history. Uh, when, I mean, I had people in my own district, the 96-year-old lady who lost her right to vote first time, you know, since she was permitted to vote. And it was a lot to do to the chaotic uh, the chaos in, that ensued in that election. And <clears throat> there was all kinds of clear markers not to go ahead, but we did. So back in uh, when we convened in the House after the 21 election, we wanted an investigation, independent, independently chaired, and what have you, government defeated that. So then we, they went ahead with this all-party committee that was chaired by, you know, Minister Justice, and we've seen, uh, we've, I mean, we've had little to no input. We had a, uh, <clears throat> our meetings have been limited. The Department has been doing a review on a piece of legislation we've had no real uptake on, even though apparently they're scheduling a meeting for, ironically, for a week or two, next week or week after, to discuss some of the proposed changes that we haven't seen. That's not how all-party committees work. They're supposed to work, and they're, we're supposed to devise the changes, not be presented changes by the department. That was the whole idea of having an independent review and to dig out, because there were a lot of concerns in this le- 21 election, and right now, <clears throat> three years later, there, we'll never we'll never ever get to the bottom of it, and we'll be maybe it might be a fine piece of legislation. That's not our point. Our point is being part of a process that we were never there was never uh, a p- process. We were part I, on paper, but there was never a fair process. So, how often did this committee meet over the last couple of years? We wrote a letter in April of 23, our caucus on behalf of myself and MHA for Abermain uh, and the MHA for uh, Cape St. Francis. Three of us met, uh, sent a letter in, and we questioned the, the, basically the Engage NL had done <clears throat> consultation process. We had concerns with the consultation process. We didn't feel they were proper. They were done in the middle of the summer. They were low attendance. We, you know, it was, you know, it was done a year later. And people's people's memory on the old all party or the old election issue in general was fading. And we had major concerns with the consultation process. We didn't feel like it was a fair and open consultation process. We weren't getting the best information to make these decisions. And we asked, you know, we we respectfully asked for changes and asked for, you know. 
improvements and better consultation, more consultation. And we basically we got, I mean, I went to a meeting myself, but it was uh, it wasn't a very nice meeting, and we haven't heard nothing since. We got an invite the other day saying they're going to send some proposed changes to us in. Uh, and when we meet on the 24th or 25th, which we're not, we're not doing it. Obviously, we're, we're, you know, I've notified the minister we're no longer partaking. And this is a charade. Actually, it's not a, it's not a law party committee. It's a charade. And uh, I do hope they come out with a good piece of legislation. But it's not fair to the people in this province. It's not fair to what people suffered in 2021 trying to get their vote out. A lot of people missed their opportunity to vote, as evidenced by the, you know, the mass confusion with this mail-in ballot system. And unfortunately, people's memories fade away. But when they come back in another election, when we're faced with similar things and here we are three years in we could have an election any day and we still don't have no legislation done so i think it's a failure and it's a failure i don't want us to be part of so what sort of reform is needed that come into a lot of, uh, I mean, you're getting into the Elections Act. I mean, there was a lot of uh, things in that Elections Act that were archaic. Even, I mean, we had we had some discussions over, do you do online voting? I mean, some of that's partaken. You're seeing, seeing a move towards some of that now. People are talking about, people are talking about online voting. The, pros, the whole process for mail-in ballot, I mean, some of the stuff wasn't updated for over 30-some-odd oh, years. So it was the full piece of legislation that needed to be true out there and took apart and discussed. That's the problem we had. We never did get that opportunity to sit down amongst the group of all party committee and throw those issues on the table, discuss them, bring them back to our caucus. Because everyone got a unique piece in that legislation that may affect them individually in their districts or them in their, when they run for election. Some others might affect all relative to the individual. So that was the whole idea of a consultation process. We didn't feel like from the committee level we were being consulted or from public level we were being consulted. Therefore, you know, in, within the issues within the Elections Act, <clears throat> we never did get to hash those issues out. So a lot of, there's a lot of things in there that could be discussed, and I'm sure it needs to be changed. It's made to, but we never ever had the opportunity to have a fair conversation outside of our, amongst ourselves with the committee, which mainly makes it fruitless. And there you have it. That is PCMHA Barry Petten speaking on why they decided to drop out of the all-party committee, or sorry, not the all-party committee, uh, government's committee on electoral reform. The NDP had never participated. Uh, now the PCs have dropped out of that as well. And I know that government had uh, reached out and said that they do want to comment on the situation as well. And we're working on trying to set that up and get government's perspective on what's on the go there as well. So uh, stay tuned to 590VOCM for more from that. Well, now we still have a couple of minutes to go before news time with Sarah Strickland, so I want to share this story. Some good news uh, for a local car dealership, O'Neill Nissan, and the O'Neill Automotive Group has been named the number one Nissan dealership in Canada. Uh, and that's out of some 200, I believe, uh, dealerships across the country. Um, earlier, I spoke with General Manager Jason Richards about the news. Well, number one again here, uh, third year running force. So uh, quite the accomplishment, of course, from all the staff here at O'Neill Nisa. So what sort of work, I guess, goes into making sure that this dealership is number one? Um, I mean, one of the biggest things is making sure our staff is completely trained and take care of our customers that are coming in and out of the store here. Um, quite an accomplishment once again uh, to, uh, to hit that mark once again. So you're number one out of how many dealerships across the country? Yeah, roughly uh, around 217 dealers throughout Canada. And I mean, when you, as general manager, when you get this type of news, how, how does it make you feel, not just, I guess, for, for yourself and for your brand, but also for your team members who work so hard? My God, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment once again. Uh, I mean, the amount of work and time and commitment that comes from the staff, 
and not just only our sales staff, it's the whole organization. Has the last year been a bit more challenging in terms of sales, given, you know, the cost of living has hit everyone kind of hard and everyone, everyone's, I guess, pinching their pennies a little tighter. So has this been a bit more of a challenging year for your sales team? Um, I mean, the last couple of years have been some challenges. There's no doubt about it. Um, of course, some changes in the economy, those sorts of things, of course, uh, has been a big challenge. Um, but then even getting vehicles and and so forth. So, yeah, there's been certainly some major challenges over the last couple of years. Are things starting to, to turn a corner now, do you think? Yeah, we're, we're seeing some changes here now. As like, You know, at one point, we never had any inventory or very little inventory. Now we're starting to see some inventory come on board and uh, some vehicles available uh, right on the lot today here for customers. In terms of buying trends, what sort of vehicles are people buying nowadays? Uh, I mean, for our product line, you know, we've got uh, right from our smallest car, Versa, all the way up to our full-size Armada. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of something for everybody. So right now, uh, most of our product is moving. And there you have it. That's my conversation with the general manager of O'Neill Nissan, Jason Richards, talking about them being named the number one Nissan dealership in Canada. Some pretty big news there for that dealership. Again, as you just heard, uh, they're number one out of some 200 stores across the entire country. So it uh, seems like uh, some good business is going on there. All right. We're just about up here on news time here on your VOCM. But uh, when we come back uh, just a little bit ago, I brought you com- uh, comments from PCMHA Barry Petten about them deciding to leave the all-party committee, or sorry, the committee on uh, electoral reform, and I had mentioned that we were trying to get reaction from the provincial government on that front. Well, as it so happens, Justice Minister John Hogan uh, has reached out, and he'll be on the line coming up after the news with Sarah. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And good afternoon, everyone. Richard Duggan in here with you this afternoon. Linda Swain, of course, was on open line this morning. Uh, So I'm taking over for her this afternoon. Give her a little bit of a break. Well, now we'll take you back to a story that we had uh, just before uh, the news there. Uh, We brought you comments from PC MHA Barry Petten. The PC party has withdrawn from the province's all-party committee on electoral reform, citing what they call a lack of commitment to the cause from government. The committee was established in April 2021, following the controversial winter election that was hampered by the COVID pandemic and a level five lockdown. Now to get reaction uh, to what has transpired with the PCs leaving that committee, uh, we have Justice Minister John Hogan on the line. Minister Hogan, good afternoon. Hello, Minister Hogan. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Thank you very much for taking the time for us this afternoon, Minister Hogan. So I guess just to start off, what was your reaction to uh, hearing that the PCs have dropped out of this committee on electoral electoral reform? Yeah, so thanks for uh, allowing me to take some time to, uh, I guess, correct some of the comments I saw about the PCs withdrawing. Uh, you know, I was a little, obviously, I, I was a bit, uh, bit disappointed and surprised at the same time. Uh, this has taken some time now over the last couple of years to uh, do the work that the committee has been doing. Uh, we put out a request to have a meeting next week, um, and it was only after we sent that request out that we received the uh, press release saying that they felt that there weren't enough meetings and there was another, that was one of the reasons they didn't want to go ahead or didn't want to participate with it, participated in it anymore. But if we just go back over the last couple of years about what this committee has been doing in terms of its work, uh, the goal of this committee was to suggest ways to amend the Elections Act to make voting more accessible and easier for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. 
And the way we wanted to do that was to talk to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, of course, to get their input on any barriers that they saw, anything that we could do better uh, in the act to allow that voting to be easier. So, of course, in order to do that, we needed to do public, con- do public consultations. They weren't consultations done through the Department of Justice and Public Safety. They were done by Engage NL, so it's a nonpartisan entity. Uh, speaking to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, they did an online consultation. Uh, we received feedback from that, brought that feedback to the committee. I asked the committee the question, do you want to proceed with these suggestions and, and go forward with amendments now? Well, Engage NL gave an opportunity to do further consultations, which, of course, is going to take more time. Uh, and those consultations could be done face-to-face at public meetings. The committee was pretty unanimous, including Mr. Pettin, saying let's take some more time. Uh, the more feedback, the better. Give people the opportunity to do it face-to-face. So we gave people that opportunity as well. Brought that feedback, and unfortunately, there wasn't a huge uptake in participation, although there was some, and there were a lot of good suggestions that I'm sure you'll see as amendments that are going to come forward in the Elections Act. Uh, Mr. Petten said he was disappointed with that, but you know we can't control what people want to participate in. Um, we can only give people the opportunity to do that, and some people did take that opportunity. I want to thank them for that. Um, again, said that you know one of the criticisms was that they haven't provided any input yet or haven't had the opportunity, which is not true either. Last summer, so a year and a half ago, uh, I wrote as chair of this committee uh, 39 letters to every single MHA in the House of Assembly asking for their input while they were out, uh, you know, during the summer, talking to their constituents. I suggested that they talk to them about the election of 2021, ask them about what changes they could see to make voting easier. I met with my caucus about that, the Liberal caucus, and we talked about suggestions and amendments and proposed changes. I didn't see, receive one letter back from any MHA that I wrote, not one from the other side, uh, from the PCs. You know, they also complain a great deal when we're in the House of Assembly that, you know, they only get an opportunity to propose amendments and to make changes in legislation or to bring forward legislation when a bill hits the House. Uh, they want input in an earlier stage. And here we now, we've given them an opportunity to provide input at an early stage. And rather than take that opportunity, um, make some changes, make some suggestions, work together on a bill, a non-political bill, just about how people can vote in this province. Rather than take that opportunity, they've decided to say, no, we don't want to bother. We don't want to participate. We don't want to do the work with you. So, you know, very disappointing. But at the same time, when you look back over the course of the two years, the work that the committee has done, the effort that uh, the committee has made to try and get input from everybody in the province and members of the House of Assembly, um, we'll proceed uh, with the work that's been done anyways and look forward to the amendments that are going to come forward in the House of Assembly. Yeah, so with the PCs being out, and of course the NDP hadn't been participating at all, and they, and they came out with that uh, after this party was formed back in 2021. So what are the next steps in terms of how this all moves forward? So, you know, it not being a departmental review of a piece of legislation, it's it's a, you know, a nonpartisan review. Uh, I'll, I'll still look forward to meeting with my colleagues to review the proposed changes that have come from members of the public. I think it's important. Uh, people put forward... Uh, time and effort to attend these sessions to make these suggestions. I think it's incumbent on us as members of the House of Assembly, certainly on our, certainly on our side of the House, to review those suggestions and to vet them and to discuss which ones are you know feasible, which ones are good, which ones might need some tweaking or some further amendments uh, to bring forward a suite of amendments uh, that we'll, we'll debate in the House of Assembly at some point in the future. Uh, the work still has to be done and we're still willing to do the work because we think it's important and we want to respect that people put time and effort uh, into making these suggestions. I'll also note, you know, we got a report, I got a report last week from Elections NL uh, with numerous suggestions as well. Um, literally, that came in last week. It was going to be part of the meeting uh, next week. It was going to be uh, provided to all members of that committee. 
to show what elections in Alpha were the changes. So, you know, just got it last week. Couldn't get to them any quicker than next week at the proposed meeting. Again, rather than accepting the meeting and having that discussion about those amendments, uh, they decided not to participate. I guess a lot of this will come out uh, as we move forward, but can you reveal anything about s- some of the feedback that you heard and some of the changes that people want to see? Yeah, I'll just just from elections and our perspective, just because it's fresh in my mind. I read the report, reread the report. I should say this morning, um, you know, the, the chief electoral officer uh, suggested in the report to me or to the committee, I should say, that uh, the Elections Act is very prescriptive. It doesn't really give the chief electoral officer much flexibility in doing things. Like, for example, um, it shall print voters lists. It shall provide written lists to candidates. Uh, it shall maintain paper lists. Uh, you know, there's no talk about doing anything digitally or electronically, uh, which makes sense. The legislation is over 30 years old. You know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have digital media 35 years ago. Uh, so allowing the chief electoral officer some flexibility with those things would obviously allow them to put resources in other areas that uh, that they see fit. Also made some suggestions about increasing mobile polling units and mobile polling stations, maybe in seniors' homes, people who can't come and go as easy as other people in this province. Um, so those sorts of suggestions, very obvious ones to me, which would make voting more accessible and easier. Uh, and certainly, you know, things that I think would have been useful to discuss at a committee level because it might lead to brainstorming other ideas. But, but we'll take those suggestions, as I said, and we'll move forward. Uh, what sort of timelines are you working with in terms of getting these proposed amendments to the House of Assembly? Could we see something, say, this spring? Yeah, we'll do it as uh, quickly as we can now. It's obviously taking some time to do the public consultations and gather the information, but we're in a good place now where we have all that information. Next week, we'll discuss it all, um, and then we can ask uh, the necessary people to start drafting uh, proposed amendments to get it in the House as soon as possible. Justice Minister John Hogan, I thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate this. Thanks very much. Have a good one. Excellent. Thank you. Again, that is, and that is Justice Minister John Hogan uh, speaking about uh, the PCs deciding to drop out of the Committee on Electoral Reform. And uh, once again, the NDP uh, had not been participating in that committee as well. All right. We are up to break time here on News Talk here on your VOCM. When we come back, well, it was the talk of at least the sports world here in Newfoundland and Labrador over the weekend. Terry Ryan was back on the ice for the Newfoundland Growlers. We're going to have comments from him coming up after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And welcome back to the show. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. And, well, this was the talk of the town over the weekend, wasn't it? And it was certainly a birthday present that Terry Ryan will never forget. The Mount Pearl native celebrated his 47th birthday by lacing up his skates for the Newfoundland Growlers Sunday afternoon at Mary Brown Center. As the flu spreads through the Growlers locker room, the team called on the former first-round NHL draft pick to step in. Uh, Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard and VOCM Morning Show co-host Ben Murphy spoke with Ryan after after Sunday's game. I was celebrating my birthday, which is today, but um, I figured Saturday night was better than Sunday. I came to watch this game yesterday because, well, I watch a lot of Growlers games, but some of the guys on that team are my best buddies, right? They, we go back a long time. Zach, Jordy, Marcus, you know, jeez, uh, Adam Daw, uh, Meller. So, now again, I still didn't see this coming. I was out, I was literally sitting at Blue on Water, my buddy Jason Brake's place went down 
And to be quite honest with you, I never said it before, but I was probably five or six pints in, and Zach calls me, and I said, well, come on, yeah, my birthday, whatever, April Fool's, click, and then Pirates phoned. And I knew when Pirates phoned, it's serious. I said, you tell me right now, because I'll go home. And I did, Pirates said, I'm serious. I hailed a cab, went home. I, I'd say I drank four liters of water, had a bite to eat, and just, I, I went to sleep. Tried to, it was broken sleep, very excited. And um, woke up and it was a reality. I, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't a little bit more nervous than I let on. Um, yeah, I've played before, but we're talking, I was joking with the guys, you know, you get sent down for two weeks, but two decades is a little much. Uh, but to be quite honest, I'm glad that I skate with the guys. So I skate four or five times a week. I play a lot of ball hockey now. Some people will laugh, but I, I just figure if I had the cardio, at least a fraction of it that I could go out and not embarrass and, and, and try to be a sufficient player out there for my hometown team. And to be honest, I didn't know what would happen. And after that first shift, I, you know, I didn't get out there for a while and I, I would have been fine with that. It's a real honor yeah. to, to be my age and get to go out and, you know, just be, be part of it at all. I mean, this is up there with, just because of the odds of all this, it's up there with my first NHL game. And by, I don't know, but it's more unexpected and intriguing just the way it went down. And, um, Yeah, it's, sorry, my, uh, my daughter was there. She, she just hadn't seen me ever play pro. And um, she's 13 and, you know, I just wanted to go out there. And I knew her and her friends were here and I didn't want to embarrass, man. And I just kept thinking about it. And she's really, when she was born, my life just got so much better. I just, my pro career was even at that point, almost a decade in the past. And I just didn't see this coming and, you know, just look up and, and see her there and to hear the ovation. I never thought I'd hear that ovation again in my life. And uh, you just never know. I, I didn't know if people were thinking, this guy's nearly 50 years old. Like, what are we doing? Is this a publicity stunt? I remember when I played in the American League and Gordie Howe came in. I think it was with Syracuse or Detroit Vipers, maybe. And, and you know, he had that one shift. And I think some people thought that it was a publicity stunt, but I wouldn't have done it if it was a publicity stunt. I skate, and I, when I got it here today, I said, Matt, like, if, if you want me to play, I'll, I'll play the way I always did. And that's really all I could do. And I, I wasn't planning on fighting. Obviously, I know that it's not as big a part of the game anymore. I'm fine with that. But still, I don't know. I turn around, and my buddy, my teammate, has got his helmet off. I, did a minor bit of homework on players. I knew that Walker mixes it up a bit. Why do I have to lose? I'm supposed to lose that fight, right? It's like when I fought Taidomi when I was 18. Unless he kills me, people are gonna go WTF. And I just figured, again, no plans on that, but I'm gonna play the way I'm gonna play, supposing I'm 60 or 20. Yeah, a little extended conversation between the two of you. You still got the, the, the mouth game, I guess. I think, that was a bit much, but that's, I, I, I can't replace that. that. That's my passion for the game coming out. And if I'm out there and I've got my skates on, I'm not 47, I'm on that team. And I'm, I'm there to do something. You asked me to play for a reason, that's the reason. What, 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 what kind of player was I? I was the kind of player that would try to stick up for my teammates. Did I think that was going to happen? Capital N, capital O. But 
whatever duty calls, you know. Is it a little extra special when it's, you know, you're coming in the defense of someone like James Mullindy? Yeah, it really is, because I never, these guys are my friends. Most of my friends in my life growing up, minor hockey, friends I've made um, through playing on the, uh, well, pro wherever. You know, I'd had that chance to be there for them. Now, again, I never thought I'd be Mellor's teammate. But he's a good friend, and the guys all vouched for me. There's no way that I just would have come down here playing if they didn't vouch for me, you know, because I'm sure Matt Cook probably thought, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm sure he must have. I would think that. I would. Uh, you know, so, yeah. I, I don't know what would have happened, but when I looked down and it was Meller with his helmet off, I felt like, I felt a rage inside that, I, I feel that was one of the reasons I got drafted in the first place, was because I have that. Whatever it is, I react, and sometimes it's too much. It might be a bad temper. I don't know. Loosely based, it's probably passion, if you want to use that word. But, you know, I, I can't really turn that off if you're going to ask me to play a game with hitting and competitive tenacity. There you go, and what a uh, moment for Terry Ryan over the weekend, getting to suit up for the Growlers. And I know, like I said before, we played that interview, and again, uh, shout-out to Ben Murphy and, of course, uh, Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard uh, for conducting that interview. Um, but over the weekend, I mean, that was all anybody was talking about was the fact that Terry Ryan was going to suit up for the Growlers. And... Uh, you know, very emotional in that uh, uh, post-game interview there on the weekend. Uh, absolutely incredible stuff. All right, we're going to end the show now today um, with a little bit of arts. We've So far, we've had weather. We've had politics. Uh, we just had sports. So now we're going to end things off, round things out with a bit of arts and entertainment. And Shakespeare by the Sea is preparing for their 31st season this year, and they got it called A Season for a New Beginning, which will run from July 5th to August 12th. 12th at various outdoor venues in the capital city area. It'll feature performances of A Winter's Tale and Twelfth Night, as well as a reading of a new work from an NL-based playwright. I spoke earlier today with uh, artistic director Sharon King-Campbell about the upcoming season. We are doing The Winter's Tale. Um, it hasn't been done in uh, Shakespeare by the Sea history in about almost 20 years. Um, so we're, we're revisiting, and that'll be at Bowering Park Amphitheater opening on July 5th uh, as one of our main stages. The other main stage show is Twelfth Night, um, and that'll play at a downtown location to be determined, um, and uh, that'll open July 14th. So now you mentioned that A Winter's Tale hasn't been performed by Shakespeare by the Sea in, in about two decades. Why is that? Yeah, um, probably because it has the word winter in the title. Uh, Shakespeare by the Sea is a summer festival, and uh, you know, I'm sure as well as I do, that sometimes it can feel like winter in July in Newfoundland. Um, so I think there's a kind of a tendency to, to lean into as summery as possible. Uh, but... I've just taken over this festival and we're starting a new decade and I wanted to program a season that felt like um, New Year's Day, you know, it felt like a, like a new beginning where we look back on, on all of the best things that have happened in the past and then um, forward into a new season. So for someone who's never been to a Shakespeare by the Sea festival, what can they expect to see if they come out? Great. So all of our 
actors are community volunteers. Uh, so there's a, a huge swath of experience. We have folks who've been um, volunteering and performing with Shakespeare by the Sea for decades. And then we have folks who are on stage for the very first time. Uh, and so uh, it's really fun to watch um, folks grow uh, over a bunch of seasons if they return. And it's uh, exciting for the people who are brand new. And then there's some vets um, who St. John's audiences have uh, grown to know and love uh, who come back to Shakespeare by the Sea year after year. Uh, we do um, kind of fun, irreverent Shakespeare, and uh, and we do it in the beautiful um, the the beautiful outdoors that this province has to offer. This province and this city metro area have to offer. Now you mentioned that all this is done outside. Is it a little bit? stressful going into this knowing that you're kind of at the mercy of newfoundland weather it is um and it gets more stressful as we get um you know as the planet warms up and and uh weather becomes less predictable we do uh cancel for rain um so if it's looking tricky and you're thinking that you might check out the the show um like do keep an eye on our uh, social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and we uh, will post a rain cancellation a couple of hours before the showtime if uh, if that's what we've decided to do. Um, because, of course, keeping everybody safe is our top priority. And if the grass is wet um, and there's a sword fight, for example, some things can go pretty seriously wrong. So we do um, we do keep an eye, and there is uh, kind of the added tension there. Um, but it is worth it. It's worth it to perform outside. There's a, there's something really wonderful and magical about um, the anything can happen nature of, of outdoor performance. So now you got about six months between now and, and when things start to get underway. What sort of preparations have to be done between now and July? Oh, well, there's uh, there's quite a lot, actually. I'm going to direct A Winter's Tale, so um, that is at least decided. But we're about to put out a call for... Um, Directors, uh, our directors are uh, are paid, so this is a job. Um, we will put out a call for directors to do a treatment of Twelfth Night and uh, let us know what they would like to do with that show, um, and then we'll pick one. Uh, in April, we will do auditions, so we'll cast the shows. We're also going to be soliciting um, unproduced one-act plays from Newfoundland and Labrador-based playwrights uh, to be workshops. We're going to workshop and do a stage reading of a new piece by a, a playwright based in this province as part of our season as well. Uh, so we have to put out the call and uh, and arrange the venues and all of that stuff. How important is that to to be able to include a new work by someone locally? I think it's super important. I mean, Shakespeare, we, you know, obviously we love Shakespeare. This is, um, that's the, the reason that the, um, uh, the company exists, but uh, he wrote 37 plays <laughs> and uh, you can't only do 37 plays your whole life. Um, also, there are a bunch of really impressive um, storytellers in this province who have new and interesting stories to tell us. And uh, it would be a shame not to make space for those stories. So we are really excited to be um, continuing the work that Shakespeare by the Sea has been doing for the last couple of years by including new contemporary works and, and sort of getting them closer to uh, a place where they can be fully staged. The company really relies on um, donations from 
the uh, the public who appreciate the work that we do, we are on Canada Helps. If you're interested in um, promoting uh, Shakespeare in this community and uh, just the development of theatre in general in this community, you can go to our website, shakespearebythesefestival.com, um, and click the Donate Now box. And there you go. That is my conversation with artistic director Sharon King Campbell of Shakespeare by the Sea talking about their upcoming season coming up this year, which is running from July 5th to August 12th at various outdoor venues in St. John's. And that's always one of the highlights um, of the summertime here in at least in the metro region is Shakespeare by the Sea and uh, some of the stuff that they put off. So looking forward uh, to more updates now as they get ready uh, for their upcoming summer season, which is coming up faster than you think. And speaking of things coming up faster than you think, the end of the show came up a lot faster than I thought it would. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I believe Linda is back tomorrow. Um, so thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll talk soon.